Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, the video game music podcast. This is episode 12-2. <laughs> uh, we never thought we'd get this far. We're coming up on the end of the multiplication table. That's right. We might have to change things up. Um, we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. And every week, we hang out. We listen to great video game music of the past and the present, of all consoles, of all generations. And we do it for you. All timelines, all anime revisions. Yeah. All season updates. Season uh, six of Supernatural canon compliant. Also, no season pass required. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> he was like, I didn't expect that. <laughs> but it's so true. All right. So I, I have to say right away, I have been playing a video game that's not Street Fighter. I have been all about Celeste. And I need people to buy this game and play it because it is... Amazing. I gotta kind of like that that kind of happened with us on the show. Not only did you play a game yes. that was not Street Fighter, yes, but it was <laughs> yeah. it was an indie darling mm. released during the week of two prominent titles. One of which is a fighting game that you would probably like, and the other oh, being yeah. the other Big Daddy. And in my end, I'm playing Iconoclast. Still, I've, I downloaded that at the same time. See, there it is. I was, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to play these two games, and then I turned on Celeste, and I turned the world off. Yes, because like, oh, so good. I bought was I bought the I got the Iconoclast for review, and I bought Celeste at your like multiple people like, just get it, and then when you were like, I bought it, I was like, well, I can't. Rob bought it. No, well, I can't not get it, it now. It makes me think of a really like cerebral, uh, very intense. And very beautiful version of Meat Boy, because it's it's just so hard and it's real quick, but it's really deep. I will say one thing that I like about it too is that when you unlock those B side stages, mm -hmm. you also get a B side version of the music. Yes, the soundtrack is amazing. We're going to get into that. Our topic this week is retro revivals. Revi it works. My my brain was thinking of it as more like retro like tributes. Retro tributes. Yeah, I think, but retro revivals because it's got that nice alliteration to it, right? That is true. That is true. But someone's <laughs> gonna be like, "Listen, she was like retro revivals. Why aren't you guys talking about Bubsy, the new Bubsy <laughs> game?" Um, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Not um, franchise uh, <laughs> revivals. But we'd like to thank a uh, person who wrote in. His name is Daniel Lafton, and he suggested this topic. Yeah, um, I love fan topic suggestions. Going to my email right now to make sure that's who it is. Because if you're wrong, retro tributes. The penance will come. That's what it was. I had the alliteration in my head. So retro tributes. So we're we're thinking of stuff like things that are like Metroid, but but not. Yeah, like a guy, a game that was clearly inspired by another game in the mm -hmm. past, brought out not by the AAA dudes though. If we did get one by mistake, <laughs> it's cool. But I have a feeling neither of us pulled that. So no, no. we're talking small timers doing big things. Inspired by the classic greats. All right, so I'm gonna kick us off, and this is this is really an indie showcase, also. It's pretty, pretty much, pretty much. So uh, my first track is from a game I haven't played yet, but it's it's on my list. This is from 20XX. Oh yeah, yeah on Steam, um, and this is called the this is the final boss, the Omega model, and it's composed by Brandon Ellis, and this is pretty much Mega Man X, the roguelike, the roguelike. 
All right, so check this out. This is from Brandon Ellis, Final Boss. And I'm going to bite this sandwich. You should do that. You're listening to The Final Boss, Omega Model, from the game 20XX, composed by Brandon Ellis. And yeah, this soundtrack is is The Final Boss. I'm just laughing <laughs> This is the- Final Boss awesomeness. I'm chuckling at the fact that I totally, totally didn't even hit me that this is live, because I was waiting for you to stop the track and start doing your ma- mystical music magic with it. Oh yeah, no, I've already Have done you- all that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, wait a minute, what? What's going on? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I do a lot of editing on the fly, um, but yeah. When time is of the essence, and <laughs> no. we've got listeners who don't got time for that mess. Yeah, for our live stream, um, we uh, we will do this. So I should mention for um, our regular listeners that um, for our Patreon subscribers, we record the show live um, on Patreon.com through YouTube. It's like a live stream of us recording the show, um, and we do it once a month. So if you subscribe t- to the show even once, even even a dollar is helpful, and you get access to all of this stuff. So it's a good time. Basically, you get to hang out with us. We're being ridiculous. Yeah, you get to see us dance while we do the show. <laughs> Eat sandwiches. Yeah, probably gets us dinner. Promote ridiculous products because that's all I had time to uh, purchase from the store prior to showing um, up. So what? Um, so this is a, this is pretty much a Mega Man X like clone. Like people love the Mega Man X um, control system and the way it plays. How do you feel about it? I am of like, that you, ilk. Like people like to talk about how I've actually heard a lot of people be like I kind of preferred the Mega Man games to the Mega Man X games. And while I love them both, I'm sorry, no, X got the platforming formula down to a science. It, it's perfection. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of games have attempted to kind of mimic some of its finer qualities as far as the moment, keeping the momentum going as you proceed through stages. Yes. It's also why when you notice after the very, fir- the very first game, you had to get the boots in order to enable the dash ability. 
And from the second game up, they included the dash from the default setup because everyone just wanted the dash immediately. It made Chill Penguin the obvious starting stage. Oh yeah, because absolutely. the dash makes the game. It's so, so it makes it it makes it not just like easier or it just makes it more fun. It makes it it becomes yeah, fun so and frenetic. Fun. Yeah, because like all of a that. sudden you're not just like this small little. Bit, oh, we're gonna do in the dash. I mean, yeah, the slide is there as like in Mega Man Normal, like that's your speed mod in Mega Man, but in Mega Man X. The dash is more so integrated into the actual platform because yeah. dashing gives you speed for a jump, whereas sliding in the regular Mega Man doesn't do anything yeah, for your actual platform. And it's and it feels good, like the, so good. Like the the control is like fast and smooth. I mean, I know we're speaking to the choir. If you're listening to the show, you're probably you say that now, Mega Man. <laughs> but this ain't a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's gonna come. It's like <laughs> you're fools. Classic Mega Man is best Mega Man. But that's a good point because um, with new newer games that are in the older style like they are like oh yeah here's your double jump oh yeah here's your dash here's a double jump and a dash and like that's already in the game yeah they just give it to you and then later they up the end is like now you can dash in the air but the interesting thing about interesting thing about Mega Man is that there's no I mean there's gravity but there's no um, forward momentum and there's no friction like you, there's no like sliding yeah like Mega Man like floaty style and one thing I just thought about someone can correct me on this if I'm wrong but I want to say Mega Man X2 was the first like major platformer to incorporate an air dash. I don't know. I'm trying to think about it. It's been a long time since I've contemplated it, but I remember being really geeked when I learned Mega Man could dash in the air as if it had never been done before. Like, because Mario could fly, you yes. know, all these different characters could fly, but I can't think of any guys like anybody that jumped and then shot across I the think, screen. I think Strider might have had something similar, but I don't know. So I have to look into that. <laughs> if anybody listens to the show that is a big fan of Strider, you can let us know. All right, so what, what do you bring? What, well, what you got on the table? Well, I'm going to bring an obvious one, though. I'm going to outright l- openly state that I regret not choosing a track from the game Heart and Slash because that would have been fitting for this episode, I think, because I feel like that's a kind of a tribute to the Devil May Cry games. Yes. But uh, I'm going with the old staple, uh, Fight and Rage, yes. because that is my darn near to game of the year last year and it's great and it's, it's so good it's a good game and it blows people's minds and I go this game you've never heard of is almost my game of the year um, but the track is titled Fire and the track is composed by the man Gonzalo Varela Welcome back to Rhythm and Pixels. You are listening to Fire! 
from the game Fight Rage, composed by Gonzalo Varela. This song screams fire. Like that opening riff. Mm-hmm. It's not actually. It's got a very Final Fantasy thing. What's that? Final Fantasy seven. Seven could have been that game. It's it's hard at this point. Yeah. I've been. I'm so stuck. I'm messy. I just came away from a Final Fantasy eight dialogue that spawned because I made this cheese ball of a joke saying, "How is that no one's cosplayed as a selfie stick yet?" Selfie being a character from Final Fantasy eight. And apparently, I learned that from I didn't remember, but apparently, she was a big fan of photography too. How was so she? one plus one equals woo. <laughs> Why isn't that? And then people were like, "Well, they have there has been." They showed a bunch of pictures of her, like talking. About, These are my selfies. I was like, no, I mean, someone's walking around as a walking selfie stick. I want that in a cosplay, a stick with hair. Um, but this track in the game of Fight and Rage was the one I originally wanted to pick for the show when we had Gonzalo on the show, but. At the time, I figured I wanted to choose something that showcased something more unique than what I'm used to picking as being rocky, rock-based stuff. Yeah. So, but this track was my grand favorite for ages, and I kept looking forward to it playing in the game, and I never actually found it. I, the only place I found it playable in was it was one of the rotating tracks in the two-player arena mode. That was oh, it. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. He, Gonzalo Varela is really interesting because he he made these incredibly, like amazing and like an epic sounding like rock tracks for this game and, and like they're not like video gamey but like they're certainly like loop and, and they loop really well mm-hmm. he's an ama- he's a fantastic composer but he's so interesting because if you look him up on soundcloud and on the online like his passion is experimental um like orchestral music and like and it's just almost like the opposite of this it's so it's like like he's just interested in so many things but i can understand why he went this direction though because i mean the orchestral wouldn't necessarily fit well in a game composed oh, no. around like hyper-violent animals, but no, no. And, and he told us that like his passion, like what he wants to do, is to like to, to to compose for games that people will remember, you know, and will remember his music in turn. And if it's, if there's anything that I can yeah. do, and you can, we can get down with this. We'll be the guys that are at least trying to get people to acknowledge this man's fantastic work because I, to this day, I don't hear enough people mention this game, and it saddens me. <laughs> It needs to come to the freaking switch or something, and if it, I, yeah, I, I guarantee if it hit the switch, it would get pressed like that. Yeah, I think it needs to get a port to uh, a larger system. Um, so my next game is, um, I think it just finished on Kickstarter. Um, I played it back on episode five, okay, of our show. Oh, no, and it I, just finished Kickstarter. No, I'm sorry, I played this on episode two of our show, okay, which was back in 2015. Um, I think if it, it met its goal in 2017. This is the game Zydonia. Um, it's for the PC only right now. Huh. And it is a... If you, it's supposed to be like a Genesis-style horizontal scrolling uh, shooter. Interesting. And it's really cool. Well, I want to hear this jam. It's really, I've really never cool. even heard of this game. So um, the music is actually composed. It's literally composed on a Sega Genesis okay. uh, by the Italian composer Luke McQueen. This, this song is called Midnight Intruder. Neo Tokyo Stage 6 Night. That just sounds terrible. It's going to be awesome. Call the cops!
This is Midnight Intruder from the game Zydonia for the PC, composed by Luke McQueen. And this is actually interesting. Since they met their Kickstarter goal, they've actually reached out to some classic Sega composers, mm-hmm. and they're going to have two of them on, on, on the soundtracks, Shinji Hosoe and Keishi Yonao. I actually recognize the first name. Yeah, Shinji Hosoe worked on like Ridge Racer, a big big Sega guy. And Keishi uh, no, he worked on a bunch of um, Sega Genesis titles, like Asuka 120% Burning Fest. He oh, played that. That game has great music. I feel, yeah. So... <laughs> Really excited about that. Sorry, man. So, um, on our YouTube chat, why don't you enlighten us for now? So, two questions came up during the YouTube chat. All right, we'll answer them on the air. Okay, the first question was, is it true that everyone in Delaware knows each other, pretty much? It's pretty close. Um, And if there's an actor who makes it big from Delaware, um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Pernell probably works with her aunt. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, literally. Like, apparently I work with Aud- um, Aubrey Plaza's aunt. Like, that's my one of my coworkers. Oh, cool. So, but the other thing that I think is funny is that I have a weird penchant for leaving town and stumbling across people that are from Delaware. In some cases, people actually know from Delaware. Huh. Uh, there was a year I went to PAX um, on the West Coast, not East and I was waiting in line to play Rock Band 2's demo. This was before Rock Band 2 even came out. And I'm just hanging out with my friends, waiting to get our good turn on. And it turns out that the guy that was in line behind us was a guy that we played DDR with back mm-hmm. at GameWorks. Back way at, back in the GameWorks. day. GameWorks. Was it, was it Duck? Was it, no, it wasn't Sword Schlagwort. Sounds familiar. He was the he was the 2DX guy, but he also oh, played DDR. Yeah, and his yeah, name yeah. was Schlagwork, which is a song from the game. But I brought up in dialogue something related to like how wow. I, was, I was big on <laughs> B-Money games back in the day, and he overheard that. He goes, "Did you used to play in Delaware?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Schlagwork, Schlagwork." I'm like, "Holy <laughs> crap! I know you, man." Well, I mean, like, okay, so so yeah, Delaware's small. Everyone kind of does kind of know each other usually. But like yeah, the 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 rhythm game community is also really tight as well. Yes, it is, man. It's it's, it's one thing I like about the rhythm game grouping is just that everyone is so in touch with each other and just well, at least they were for a time. I don't know about now, but there was definitely a time where everybody was kind of like very tight knit and met up at weird arcades. And even though they didn't have anything else in common, at least initially, we could all bond over that, and it was freaking glorious. Um. Am I going to ask one more question? That way I don't keep everybody down too long. <laughs> no, that's random. fine. No. <laughs> David Smith says, do you prefer sandwich dancing or yogurt dancing? All right. So while you were dancing, you were eating both. That's true. Which, which, which did you better? Well, I will say sandwich dancing is the preferred because it contains much more ingredients than a 70-calorie yogurt container. And the joy in my taste buds, or rather the joy that stems from my taste buds, taking on that delectable pleasure is just far superior when it comes from chicken and bacon on a pinwheel wrap. It just can't be beat. Okay, so the yogurt. Oh, no, no! Fuck the yogurt. Uh, this is vanilla light and fit yogurt. So it's got 70 calories, and while it is good, this is not <laughs> truly danceable. I think this is not food. This is more of a cha-cha-cha than a Charleston shake. You know, it's, you can't. It just doesn't work uh, that way. Food dancing. Mm-hmm. We should name the show Food Dancers. <laughs> mm. uh, what's your next track? Well, and I think at this point I'm going to do this for every track I pick, but I kind of regret not selecting a track from La Mulana 
Oh. I feel like that would have been pretty good for this episode. I think so, yeah. You know, MSX, you know, revival, but it's not a specific game, I guess, so it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, I'm going to go with a track from the game that we were just talking about earlier that I've been obsessing over recently. And that game is called Iconoclast. I'm not even going to go into the details until we start until the second part of the, sh- of the track. Play. We're going to have to be careful because I'm going to be playing this soon, and I really don't want well, I won't any spo- big spoilers. I <laughs> won't. I won't. All but right, so- but if this is a spoiler to you, then you're not paying attention to the very beginning of the game. So okay, I got you. I got you. But the title is just, there's no real title because I just found this. Somebody pretty much was like, hey, I found it. I'm putting it out. Okay. Um, Agent Black Battle. And it's composed by Joaquin Sandberg. Welcome back. You're listening to the Agent Black battle theme, basically, from the game Iconoclast. Iconoclast. Composed by Joaquin Konjak Sandberg. And I might have gotten the last name wrong. I'm tired, but we'll find oh, out. Joaquin Sandberg is what I have. He, oh, he good, so I'm de- right. He's like the developer and the artist. He did everything. He's done everything. He's the game. one man on the entire game, and it took him a decade to make it. Wow. And this game is superb. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to describe how I feel about the game because it sounds like I'm being like fanboyish or some crap, which is not the case at all. It's one of those games where it's like I don't know if I'd play it twice because one of those things where it's like once you've experienced it, you're not sure you want to go through all the same puzzles again. Okay, you've completed this. No, I'm on my way though. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm near the end right now. But uh, the guy described it in an interview as being uh, inspired by Metroid Fusion. Oh. And Monster World 4, hmm. which, having played both of those games, the inspiration is dead on. Like, it's Metroidvania, and not even Metroid, I'm sorry, Metroid is more so. Okay. In the sense of exploration, but it's more tight-knit like Fusion was, where it's more corridor-ish and less just kind of wandering off wherever. Oh, okay, so not like tight-knit where it's like a little bit more linear, but it's more like... More straight arrow and less like uh, uh, Symphony of the Night, where you're like bouncing around a, a big maze. Yeah, it's, yeah, there's a maze, but stick with the linear component, where it's more linear. Where it's that. Oh, okay, because yeah. like think of like Symphony of the Night, you really could just go anywhere in the castle most of the freaking time, mm-hmm. and you sometimes would find the ability to go to the next place. This game is more like you're in an environment, and the environment is ultimately a puzzle. There is one route they intend for you to go. 
You just have to find the route and solve the puzzles as you proceed. Yeah. There's a few levels where they kind of shuffle that on you, and it's kind of more left to like, okay, here's a small place, but they give you a lot to work with. Good freaking luck. Um, but it's just a genuinely enchanting game. And the other thing about that, like, yeah, Gush, Gush Quest 2000 here. But um, <laughs> Well, you like this. You like this a lot. I really do. Like, yeah. I bought, like I said, I bought Monster Hunter World. And I've spent more time playing Iconoclast than the game all my friends won't shut up about. What, um, what's, what, is the soundtrack a lot like this? It depends on the area, because, like... I mean, is the sound, is it, like, in this style? It almost sounds like... I say, I will say, this is probably the only track that sounds like this. Oh, right, because I say, like, this sounds a lot like, like, like Nintendo DS, almost. It's very... Or maybe Game Boy Advance. I think this is meant to incite tension and anxiety... And without telling you why this happens or anything like that, I will say that it was a mission accomplished thing because I'm playing on a harder mode, which is the harder difficulty, quote unquote. Mm. And uh, while I can't say that the game is actually truly challenging to me, I can say that the first one or two attempts on certain bosses, you are going to get your butt beat where you're trying to figure out what do you want, what do they want me to do. And then you start to step into your shoes, you're taking out, taking care of business. But even still, every once in a while, the anxiety will flow. As you're trying to like you know actually execute what you know you need to do flawlessly, and this particular moment there's some anxiety where like holy crap that's going on. Dude, this kind of music in a game like this, like when there's a lot of like really difficult platforming or dif just something difficult that you have to manage, like, it just drives me on the edge. And sometimes I have to, sometimes I have to turn the sound like all the way down. No, that's yeah. part of the angst that you gotta feel it. Well, you, guess what? It's like the character. Yeah, it was successful. <laughs> all right, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Turn it down. All right, so um, a new part I'm slowly introducing to the show on our uh, Discord server on our post podcast talk on our our pasta chat pasta chat on our uh, podcast talk on our Discord server. Um, we have a question of the week, and we have people um, answer it there. So I'm throwing it out here: um, What video game level has had you throwing controllers the most? Oh, um, well, you answer first because I'm thinking maybe I can think of something different, but I feel like this will be the one. Um, I can say there's probably a few levels in Dust Force towards the end. Um, not like the user-made ones, because those are just BS. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but the uh, I'd say most most of the end levels in Dust Force, because they're just they're impossible. you got to land on a pixel, mm. and that's how it's designed. And that's probably the last time I remember like really getting upset. Um, past that, it was probably that Golf golf Clash game for the, for the phone mm -hmm. that I just had to stop playing, because it was a bad time. Oh. Yeah. Well... Um, what about you? And then I'll read some of our answers on Discord. If I can think about this, um, I've got the, if I got the name right. See, on one hand, you mentioned things like Dust Force, and I can't disagree with that. They are some frustrating levels, but they have one thing about them in the present-day difficult platforming games, and that is that infinite continues, instant restarts. Sure. So, yeah, you'll be trying a thousand times, but time goes like that. Now, go back to the era when you had stuff like that and limited continues and failure means starting over. Talking Battletoads. Oh, God, <laughs> hell with that game. is atrocious. No, I'm talking about Bloody Marsh from the game Kid Chameleon. Okay, yeah. So, for those not in the know, Kid Chameleon was a game where you were a character trapped in an arcade machine trying to save other kids by wearing a bunch of weird wacky hats that gave you crazy powers. And there were, like, there were about 100 levels in it. And at the time... This was toted as being one of the largest platformers ever made. Like, no one's made a game with as long as this game is. So, you had limited continues. You could find them in the actual levels that you played. You had limited lives. 
and there were warp zones strewn all throughout the game in different places. And some took you backwards, some took you forward, some took you side to side. There was no linear path through the game. Just a bunch of levels interconnected. And there was one particular warp where if you were unlucky enough to find it, you found yourself in the Bloody Marsh, which was a level that was like kind of like a rockish tune. Oh my god. It was an auto-scroller with like gears and spikes oh, chasing after not you. Not only are you stuck somewhere, you're stuck in an auto-scroller. It's an auto-scroller. Oh, that's rough. You have to play the level pretty much perfectly. You're on jelly blocks, you're on blocks that appear and disappear at will. You're trying to dash through walls. You got guys look like giant dwarves doing the Batusi circle dance oh, around you. You got to stomp them and run. There's a lot of it, insane stuff going on, and you have to be perfect. It is a frustrating level. Wow. And again, if you die, this is like near the end of the game. You're over three quarters of the way through the game at this point. If you screw this all up, you die. Like, you got to start the whole game over if you run out of your stuff. Oh, that's terrible. And if you succeed... You don't even move very far ahead in the game. In fact, it <laughs> oh. kind of sends you backwards slightly. Oh my it's God. meant to, It's basically a level meant to punish you for being unfortunate enough to find it. Wow. So that is a big punishment. And a big I'm middle finger. And I am positive that I've probably, if not thrown a controller, I have stomped out of the room in frustration because I ran out of lives. Like I gotta try this again later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. You need. You need to take a moment. Get back to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that feeling. Well, um, uh, the dyad. He says, I remember when I was a kid and I first got Donkey Kong Country and I couldn't beat the ice level where the snow gets more and more intense. Hmm. I don't remember. I don't, okay, I've never, played, I've never played Donkey Kong Country. I don't remember <laughs> levels per se, but I have played Donkey Kong Country. But my main hate in those games was just the water levels if you didn't have Unguard. Every water level without him was awful. Um, and uh, the messenger says, uh, level 8-3 on Super Mario Brothers always pissed him off. The first one? Uh, I don't know. I'm assuming he meant the first game. I don't know, Mario... Technically, Mar Alex is in the chat, so he can always follow up and tell I us. I want to say probably Mario 3, because that's where, like, the cloud worlds, wasn't it? No, nah, 8-3 in Mario 3 was the tanks. Okay. There yeah. was, like, well, the, the dark world. was the tanks, yeah. But I feel that like, could be that, too, because this, this guy's pretty difficult. This is true, and honestly, I feel like if anyone's hating a level from Mario 1... The roughest one is likely going to be any castle level where you don't know the path to take, and they infinitely loop if you don't. Those were the most poorly thought out levels in a game, or some of the most poorly thought out. For as awesome as it was at the time, even back then, those levels were ridiculous and made no sense because there was no cue to indicate which route you had to take. You just had to go and hope you lucked out. Yeah. And you did it multiple times. So Alex just confirmed it was the first one. Yes. Yeah. Back, yeah World 8 was atrocious, though. There was, like, jumping off a of bullet bills, narrow, single-column jumps where you had to get the full run and full leap and land on that exact spot, jump off again, land on a bullet bill. It's yeah. some nonsense. Some nonsense. And then we got these later Mario games where the level design was much better, but they were much easier as a result. And honestly, as a guy who loves challenging games, I'm not complaining because I want my challenge to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> not right. just awful. All right, so fun challenge. I'm going to be playing a track from Celeste. Okay. And this is called Scattered and Lost, and it's composed by Lena, I'm sorry, Lena Rain. And the music for this game, it evolves. So there are certain sections where, like, the track just loops, you know? Mm -hmm. But it, as you get through a, um, an entire stage of the game, different parts of the track are introduced and so it becomes like more and more intense or more instruments are added so on the actual soundtrack it's all put together as one song 
Oh. So for the beginning of the song, you're listening to the beginning of the stage, and by the end of the song, you're listening to the boss music. Oh, nice. And it's really cool. So um, this is called The Scattered and Lost from Celeste. <coughs> and this is for, uh, I've seen it for PS4, I think it's on Steam, and it's composed by Lena Rain. Thank you. 
you are listening to Scattered and Lost from the game Celeste for the PlayStation 4 and on Steam, composed by Lena Rain. And yeah, as you can hear the, the song build and build and build. It's the different sections of, 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 of the stage loop on itself. So as you progress through the stage, it becomes more and more intense until you fight the boss and then the drums kick in. And it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. I'm, I am legitimately enjoying this tune. Yeah, it's so much. So it, it, it really just fits the game. Like the soundtrack um, and, the, and the, the intense difficulty of the game really fit, fit themselves. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of a retro tribute in that a lot of the, the difficulty and a lot of the puzzles in each stage is framed almost like a Super Mario game, like mm-hmm. early Super Mario, where there's no, there's no um, text telling you what to do next mm-hmm. it's just like you'll see an obstacle and then you're, you just have to figure it out and then once you figure it out then you see it later on used in different ways where it's like oh I can use my dash to get through this hole and then later on you can get through that you see holes everywhere and you can try to do it I hope there's like weird, like warping tiles where like you dash into the portal you come out another spot on the portal I hope that shows up later in the game um yes oh there actually is something like that there's um there's, there's sections where there's like um there's like block, like parts of the walls are jelly, and you can go through them if you dash through them. But you don't, you can't stop. Your momentum doesn't stop. So if you go through it, and there's a wall on the other side, you blow up. Oh wow! So you have, you can only do that if there's nothing on the other side. And you have to pass through. So cool. they, uh, so it introduces mechanics in every level, and every level has its own unique mechanic that doesn't get, doesn't usually get repeated. But when there's a difficult jump or a difficult mechanic, it really kind of eases you in on an early stage or an early part of the level that is very low stakes and you can you can lose over and over again it's not a big deal and then you see it later on you're like okay I know how to do this now but there's no spelling it out for you there's no tutorial it's just go and I love that I love that so much and more games need to incorporate that sort of style instead of having you stop every screen it's like this is a jelly block I know jelly I can't. blocks are for jelly but no peanut butter I, <laughs> I know I don't want to turn on a game Terrible where like joke. there's like two hours of you press the A button to jump if you hold up, you can climb on top of things. I'm like, just, you don't have to do that. I will say... You don't iconic, have to do that. Actually, I'll give you a chuckle about this, too. So I I was checking out a review that someone wrote for Iconoclast, and one of the complaints that they made is like, I hate, I'm not liking Iconoclast the more I play it. And huh. I was like, why is he disliking I got to read this. And he goes, the game doesn't under doesn't tell you how to do anything, and they expect you to just figure it out trial and error, and you die a lot. Huh. You're dying trying to solve the the problem. Like, okay, first of all, one, I don't even mind stuff like that. Two, <laughs> there are signs. <laughs> one, oh, it don't bother me. No two, problem. <laughs> two. <laughs> if it if it did bother me, <laughs> even still, the game all over the place has signs, which is an, I'm bringing because it's another good way to tell people how to play a game. Yeah. Like rather than stop the game, there'll be like a sign that's just standing up, and if you walk past it, a little block will show up with some pictures saying if you charge the gun, this happens. Right. You know, so you don't have to stop your own. Momentum, but if you forgot how to do a thing, it's right there to show you. Don't forget, you can do this thing. You might need it later. So, for some that might be bad if you're like, no, let me solve my own puzzles, man. But it's for people who, do, who need that momentum, you know, keep. Like they might forget how to do certain moves, and it's good that it's just kind of there. Well, I think when people see um, a lot of deaths in a game, especially if they see people see a lot of deaths in a game and they're able to restart quickly, they they, they see that as a failure, mm-hmm. and and they think that's a bad thing. I don't think failure is a bad thing. Like ever, in life or in games. Wait, rewind for a second, but then finish the thought. So 
You're saying people see it as a failure if you can die and immediately restart in the game? Well, I mean, or? even if you're able to finally, like, immediately restart. Like, they see, like, oh, I've died 20 times. I feel, you know, this is not good. But, like, you're learning as you go. If you're not if you're not learning, then there's, then there's maybe a, a problem. But, like, I feel like, lo- like dying a lot and losing in games is just another learning experience, which is why I like fighting games. I feel like... like I, I, I can lose a fight. I can lose another fight. I can lose 50 in a row. I can still have a good time. See, my, I'm a mixed bag there. On one hand, I 100% agree with the thought of like le- failing until you succeed is awesome because eventually, once you get that win, you feel great about it. Oh yeah, it. that's that's a big thing in these single player experiences where it's like overcoming that obstacle. It is. It's, it's, it's invigorating. It's a rush. Yeah, it's addictive. But what kills me <laughs> is when the game tracks it. <laughs> like Cuphead does it. Celeste does it. Um, there's been a lot of Meat Boy. I think even does it. And it does what? It tracks how many times oh, you die. Oh, it tracks you. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. like every <laughs> it time you put up the game, it's like, you died 1,200 times. <laughs> I like, I don't want to see it. I just want to know it. Don't tell me, though. Yeah, Celeste tracks everything. It tracks uh, how long you've played each stage because there's a, there's a speed run mode, and it tracks everything you've picked up and how many times you've died, all that stuff. Yes. But it, it gives you like these little words of wisdom in, in between each stage. It's like a, you get a postcard from your mom. And it's, it says stuff like, um, like, don't worry about picking up the strawberries. It's just to impress your friends. <laughs> don't worry about how many times you've died. Think of each time you've died as a learning experience. And that's the funny and part. I, like, just, I love that. I see that and I get all like, oh, that's nice. Since the Switch doesn't have achievements or trophies, I'm forced to have to actually show my friends the Switch. Like, look how many strawberries I got. <laughs> look at this picture. I can't just let you boot up my profile on your system and see no. strawberry connoisseur. Strawberry shortcake savant, you got all the strawberries. You could bake a cake with these. Also, I love that it's strawberries you gotta pick up. Mountain mountain strawberries or something. Because <laughs> why not, <laughs> right? Berries. They're great when they're cold. Alright, what's your uh, what's your final track? Well, I should have picked the track from my kid, because I don't remember a third track I should have picked from. <laughs> but um I will say that my last track is one from a game that I've wanted to get on the show for a while, at least just to bring it up. Um, it's a game that was originally released on the Nintendo DS by a now defunct studio even. Um, the game is called Scourge Hive, and the track title is Biocore, and it was composed by, believe it or not, Jake Kaufman. So, yeah, I saw Scourge Hive, and I was like, this does, it looks familiar. Like, I've seen the, the cover. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever played this game. Yeah, I jumped on it, man. Like, it, it was an odd buy, but we'll talk about that after yeah, the jam has gone through. This is called Biocore.
Factor to the show. You're listening to the Fire Corporal, the Game Scourge High, composed by Jake Kaufman. If you know what I mean, he is a man who can throw down the beats. Mixing in, chucking, but I got nothing to do this. All right, but anyway, the track is Biocore. It's a fantastic tune from a fantastic game. That what, what kind of game is this? So I believe it was Metroid inspired, but by that same token, it's not a hundred percent Metroid because it's a top-down isometric view, mm-hmm. and you. The idea is that you're basically it's basically like Metroid-esque space station. Stop the plague from spreading. Blah blah blah. But the tweak for this game, which I think is pretty cool is that your character is infected with a virus. And every time you leave a safe space, you are on a running timer to get to another safe space. And if you don't make it, you die because you are succumbing to the virus that's affected the space station. And you are constantly shooting other viruses, and if they hit you, they infect you to make you die faster. Huh. It's a really cool concept, and there's like a cool like link chain. You can like throw chains to like jump across pits. There's um, various guns, like ice guns and electric guns and stuff like that. And at the time, at least, it had some really cool, like, graphical styles, too. Like, if you blew up a virus, it would make, like, these weird, like, pulsating jelly images show up on the screen. And it would just... It's hard to explain. Like, like overlaid on top of the screen? Yeah. Like, oh, it, like a lot of splash, like, <laughs> on the screen. <laughs> what, was, what was the touch controls used for? I think it was mainly for menu selections, okay. though. Like the majority of the you game know, was manually controlled you know, with buttons. Honestly, I like that on the DS because, like, I felt like early in the DS, like everyone had to use it in a creative way and, and like and control things in a different way, which is still good. But I liked that if someone was like, "I'm going to make like a platforming game or make this kind of game," they would use a touchpad just as a menu or just to select items, and it just made things a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's why I genuinely will be missing the DS when the Switch officially takes over because people were like, "No, the Switch, yeah, the Switch should just encapsulate and take over." Like, no, the it's DS a popular, popular it's a, system. It deserves to be. It's yeah. a great machine. It's just people underestimate the value. Of the dual screen mechanic, like mm-hmm. I like, like you said, I like being able to use the bottom screen to like touch. Like, remember, I'm not sure how much you remember of Jump Ultimate Stars, but in that game, you built your character roster using comic book panels, and the comic book panels were on the lower screen. And you touched the comic panel for the character you wanted to sub in. Yeah. If you want to bring in a summon, you could touch that. And what that meant was you could have like five summons <laughs> on your screen. And you had to cycle through a stupid menu to get to him. You could say, "Wow, I want to bring this guy in. Bow, I want to bring this guy in. Boom!" And it was just easy to transition and you just bring your fingers like you basically you only have to stop pushing buttons thumbs hitting this finger snaps that smack it down guy comes up throw the punch disappears the new guy out teleport and like dashing whatever like the um the, the the princess peach game what's it called yeah super princess peach super princess to, peach you change your emotions yeah you touch the heart her emotions were her powers awesome concept by the way i agree like i believe it or not a lot of people were trashing that as they, they were using it on the level of like you know not being kind to the concept of the female protag but in my eyes i was like not only is this a cool concept but in a lot of respects i prefer her emotion powers to some of mario's powers like i like the ability to just like set yourself on fire and just start running oh it dudes. was cool it made it very and it was interesting that the the love power was was the overpowered yes function in the game so like just to give myself any kind of challenge, I'd have to play the game without using it. You had to fall. You could not experience love. Could not, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really sad. I, you finished the whole game, and the princess never experienced love. She only experienced sadness and rage. <laughs> and I, think, I want to say one of them was anxiety. It was like happiness. Yeah, it was happiness, love, anger, and sobbing. Okay, so she was just a little... 
on the bipolar side of things. Wait, <laughs> she had she not if you believe if you think about it, the reality of it is she was fully in control of her emotions, which is why she could call them up at will. Okay, yeah, yeah. It no. wasn't like she had to like prick her finger on a rose bush to cry. That's true. She had to just go, you know what, screw this. Sob. Now break this tree grow. <laughs> now I'm angry. Burn the tree down. You know, no, can you think of anybody that can uh, that you know pros that can trees like I'm going to be angry now because I feel like it. Now I'm just going to calm it down because I feel like it. Yeah. All right. Time to get rushed. Get that rush to push through some rage power. Like, And believe it or not, you're like anger can propel you to get things done. Like, Oh, no. Yeah. As uh, long as you channel it properly. You know? Definitely. Like, yeah. You think thinking about um, a difficult time in your life and how you've overcome it then can help you overcome something now, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or if you're upset, thinking about uh, 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 the people that you love. Um, can help can help overcome that as well. So just giving you some uh, some life tips, guys. Just life <laughs> tips on the show. Life tips with Princess Peach. All right, I'm going to turn the track down, and we are going to have the part of the show that Pernell and I we like to call it the bonus round. <laughs> On the bonus round part of our show, we play covers and remixes and arrangements based on the theme of the day. And the theme of today is retro tributes. Um, and we <laughs> ended up choosing from the same game. Because that's how we do. But two completely different styles. So the game that we picked from is a game called Axiom Verge, mm-hmm. which is just a straight up love letter to Metroid. Yeah, the track I, I picked is called The Vital Tide. And it's a remix of The Vital Tide from a drum and bass and dubstep artist named Red Scorpio, Red Scorpio 4.
This is Vital Tide, the remix from the game Axiom Verge from Red Scorpio 4. And it's a, it's, this was like a really cool liquid drum and bass style, like really smooth drum and bass style. It's called Liquid. I don't know why it's called Liquid Drum and Bass, but that's just what I like. Liquid Snake. I know what I like, and this is usually the style that I look for. So, so finding um, Axion Verge, which is actually a really like harsh-sounding, heavy soundtrack, again, like in the vein of Metroid, um, to hear it like with piano and with like really fast, smooth beats. Um, yeah, it's, it's right up my alley. I'm really happy to find it. So, yeah, shout-outs to you, Red Scorpio 4, and we'll give you shout-outs on the sh- on the. Uh, on the podcast and on the website. Every time you say Red Scorpio 4, I'm thinking Scorpion Peppers. <laughs> we love you, Red Scorpio 4. Peppers. Peppers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what, what what do you find from the Axiom Verge? Well, the track I picked is called The Axiom. The Axiom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's done by... The Axiom. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Duffed bullies. Um, it's composed by a guy that goes by the name of Final Frankacy, which is a name that I think is amazing. <laughs> um, so hopefully you enjoy this rocket rendition of the Axio.
Welcome back. <laughs> I thought you were going to start singing. Yeah. Are you ready to start recording again? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. That's it. I'm ready to go. Welcome back <laughs> to the studio. You are listening to a song by the Frank Bond. I Frank like that. I liked how that build it. Like we, we, there were there were two similar songs from the same game, but done so differently. Yes, so well, so well. I like that. I like that almost even a little, little bit, just differently. I liked it differently. You liked it a little bit more <laughs> than the tune that you chose. Southern Rock by Purnell. Yeah. <laughs> Axel Young Verge is a game that you all should play. Excellent jam for 20 hours or so there. Well, oh, have for, a good time. <laughs> should definitely look out for more from this artist, the Final Frankacy. <laughs> Final Frankacy. <laughs> so I don't know good. How did you say that? Um, but for more information on our artists on the bonus round part of the show, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to their band camps and SoundClouds and everywhere where you can buy the music and support the artists. Okay, I want to thank you for joining us on episode 12-2 of Rhythm and Pixels. This is our focus on retro tributes. So modern, mainly indie titles, tributes to retro classics. I just had this odd thought for episode 12-11. Yeah. We should actually do 12-11. We should 12, actually do an 11? Really? 12-11 should be like a glitch episode. Oh, that's and a fantastic idea. 12-12 could just be literally joking about, we did the multiplication table, or the episode talk would be 12-12, <laughs> 144. That's so funny. Yeah, we, a glitched episode. I, I do I do like this plan. Yes, you got to do it. Got to do it now. So, I mean, I definitely tune in next week. We're going to have... On the schedule, anyway, we have a, uh, a guest, a few guests planned to be on the show. We're putting in that work so we can have a good time and you can have a great listen. Yeah, I hope I hope, I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you enjoyed the music on today's episode. Um, I had a good time picking it. It was almost a little too easy because like these are the games. These are the games that I like to play. I'm so thankful that these games are being made because they're it's what I want to play. I'm not as I don't. I'm not drawn towards like the some of the bigger titles that are out there. And honestly, this episode got me to realize that I should start focusing more on smaller titles again. Because on one hand, since getting into the review thing, I have been getting exposed to more like smaller, lower key titles. Because quite frankly, they're the ones where people are more willing to give you codes because they want the exposure. And then once you get the code, you play the game, you realize they deserve the exposure. These games are great, and AAA's are making them feel kind of out of sight out of mind and it's sad but i love these titles i want to play more of them and i should so honestly maybe that'll be a weird focus i come across too. start using my steam account more and if i start coming across wacky titles that are small time but awesome start pitching them on the show make a mention that could be the small that could be the review thing too like hey guys we're doing we're doing rhythm and pixels pern picks and I, we need submissions. <laughs> Hit us with some games. We don't even want the big studio releases. We want your releases. We want you to get that knowledge, that acknowledgement that you deserve. Mm. Be a fun time. If you want to get Purnell's picks, and if you want, if you want Rob's picks, if you just want to say hi, yeah, please say hi. Actually, to us. if you have music for us, if you're a musician, we'd love to hear about it. If you like to do remixes, 
um, or if you have a favorite soundtrack, we'd love to hear about that too. Why don't you send us an email? Rhythm and Pixels at Hotmail.com. Um, if you want more information about the show, and if you'd like a full track listing from all the episodes and downloads for all of the episodes, go to the website. RhythmandPixels.com. I've just recently done um, kind of an update on the website. It's got a new coat of paint. Um, it's got a much larger font, so it's actually easier to read. I'm happy with that. If you want to check us out on social media, uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's Rhythm and Pixels, all one word. Uh, mainly on Facebook is where a lot of the, the conversation is happening, but um, you'll get updates for when the show comes out in all those places. And on a random note, I just thought about something I might try to do, even maybe this week starting. Rob doing? and I are going to start doing regular shows. Like we're eventually going to start doing like records of episodes, like video game playing. So we're going, to, we're going to do some let, let's let's play. Let yeah. you, let you and I plays. Yeah, <laughs> you and I please. I me, like that. Me and you play. Yes. No. no. <laughs> Go back to the proper English. <laughs> you and I play. You and I please. Um, but. Um, in addition, just on a whim, every once in a while I think about trying to make use of my Twitch account on uh, PSN just to throw down every once in a while. Probably, we'll, probably where we'll start it, yeah. Oh, yeah, but that'll be different. I'll be a little bit more, like, involved, I think, versus, like, me putting on my basic headset and it's, like, turning it on. Like, I'm going to play Caladri's Blaze today. If anybody want to see this game, <laughs> be one of the two people staring at the screen. Well, I think, I think we'll be doing that start to start with, I think. That yeah, works know, We'll do some live streaming together. But yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, we're, we're going to be doing some um, live and more, more video content out there. Um, I've got some plans for some other video content. I'll make more announcements as that happens. Um, and we want to thank everyone um, on Patreon who, subs- who subscribed and is helping support the show. Um, yeah, every dollar that goes in goes back into the show, into hosting costs and equipment and all the time that we put into it. We really, really appreciate that. That's patreon.com slash rhythmandpixels. And we also want to thank all of our subscribers. Alex, the messenger. Give us that note, boy. Write us a letter. Carlos. Yay, Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> Morton Gangso. The gangster. Don't mess with him. <laughs> Henrik Anderson. This guy loves him some awesome music. You gotta listen to some of his beats. Michael Bridgewater of the Forever Sound Version Podcast. Bridging the gap from east to west. Brian Pitt. Not the Pitts. Also (laughs) quite awesome. Check out some of his game. He actually does game reviews, actually, believe it or not. Like Oh. They're more like game experiences. Like he will play through a game. Yeah. Like recently, his big one is he's playing every Zelda game, oh, sort of in order. Kind of blogs about like the whole experience of playing it. Yeah, like when he completes the yeah. game, he'll do like an in-depth like writing, and it's not a review of the game so much as a description of his experience with the game. I like that. I think that's a great idea. It's really cool. Like I'm almost, I'm pretty envious of it because uh, I've been doing my review things lately, and I'm like, ah, oh, I have such mental <laughs> block. I don't even know how I want to phrase my words into into text for. And then Brian just goes, he's like just barfing awesomeness on the page here. And I'm like, well, I, I, could, I could use that tact. Well, we're, well maybe we'll, we'll, we'll pick it out and we'll, we'll link it on our Facebook and on our, our webpage. I like, I like to, to showcase, especially if they're helping support the show. That'd be, that'd be really great. That'd be awesome. Um, so, yeah, as, as subscribers to the show, you get a lot of free goodies. You get access to our live streams every month, like the one we're doing right now. Um, you get mixtapes of the original uh, video game music from all of the most recent episodes. And on top of that, for everybody, um, mixtapes of the classic episodes are coming out every Friday. Actually, I just wanted to mention something. I think this would be pretty funny to bring up all this <laughs> Your show. Your brain is going like a mile a minute. What's going on? I'm just bringing. So a couple days ago, there was a random chat on the VGM podcast phase group. And uh, there was a dialogue about um, 
music genres that you like you just can't enjoy you just don't listen to and at one point we got this random discussion about um not some people didn't like opera and i was like how can you not like opera opera has some goodness to it or something like that and it just kept going and it got to the point where um i got put into a corner where i was like you know i don't think i like gabber very much I'm not a big fan of EDM. No, that's what it was. It was EDM. But you love Gabber. You love EDM. Well, the funny thing about it, like with Gabber you is love like Edom and Gibber. <laughs> Gibber. <laughs> but like um I I like I like certain stuff. Like it depends. Like if I come across something that sounds good, I'll listen to it. So I never truly shut out genres because there's always something. There's always going to be something that you're going to find that you like. Exactly. Yeah. But as a funny response, I was like, I'm not a big fan of Gabber. So um coincidentally Henrik goes, I actually write, I've written Gabber. Like, oh, I've excellent. composed Gabber. Very cool. And I'm like, well, let's put my theory to the test. Share some of your Gabber with me. Maybe I'll like it. And he shared his track. Yeah. And funny enough, I was like, no, that sounds pretty good. You hated it. You unfriended him. <laughs> <laughs> you blocked him. This, and you so, this social interaction is over. You reported him to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it was actually pretty cool. I was oh, like, yeah. see? This is what I'm talking about. You show me something awesome, it sounds good. Boom, I can't really hate Gabber because I've heard awesome Gabber. You know, it's just, there's always something out there that you could like. You just haven't heard it yet. Yes. So never shut off a genre. You can't shut off, yeah, you can't shut off a whole genre, but definitely, there's always going to be something out there that you're going to be into. Yeah, that doesn't mean you can't, this is pretty much the episode ender right here, but that doesn't mean you can't say, focus more on your preferences like you know i like rock or metal so i spend most of my time searching for rock and metal jams but it's when someone's like hey i got this cool country track you want to hear oh no country's (laughs) terrible i never want to hear it's like why not try yeah i'll give it a spin like i don't like musicals and and, but like if someone is really passionate about a a song from a musical and they want to share it with me if they're passionate enough to share it with somebody who they know dislikes musicals Mm -hmm. i will give it a fair shake here here actually here's a thought we should propose hopefully listeners will respond to it the video game music musical that could be fun actually (laughs) so i'll play it again no but like um so there's dialogue about again we were talking earlier about you know genres that people say they don't like such and such such it always made it i always found it interesting when people say i hate pop i hate pop reason why is because while I myself, even occasionally said I'm not too big on pop, pop's very composition is designed in a way that is appealing to everyone who listens to it. Like, even if you don't like the lyrics, mm. it's just a thing that you will naturally snap your fingers to. It's there, just built that way. I'll say one thing about this, and then we should, we should close out. But there's an artist that I love called Omniboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love to get him on the show. He's, he's, a, he's a great jazz musician. He writes a lot of dance music. He's, he's so good. Um, when he first started writing music, he wrote these huge, long electronic music epics that were like eight, nine minutes long, just building and building and building. And they were fantastic, but like they were super, super long. And then he started listening to the radio more, and mm-hmm. he started listening to more um, pop music. And he was like, wait a minute, everything that it was I was doing in nine minutes, they're doing it in like two. Like they're doing like... The, 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 sometimes they're getting like three choruses in and a bridge and a verse and maybe even a second chorus part all in like two minutes, three minutes so you can get it all at once and he was like, no, I have to stop what I'm doing and change the way he writes music and it's he's so smart I, I, I just I think the way he approaches music is just a really smart way to do it and he was so inspired by just, just normal pop music um, like pop songs on the radio I thought that was fantastic I hope hope that was enlightening to anybody <laughs> i mean it's something worth thinking about like and like 
anybody who's listening to what we're talking about now, if you can think of, like, well, I shouldn't phrase it this way, but if you, like, believe you don't like pop music, I almost would take a gamble to say try listening to three pop songs that you almost know you don't like just to see if the music still kind of gets your fingers snapping or your toe tapping, yeah. even as you grimace the whole way through. It's like, I feel yeah. like it's a natural reaction to pop. I know. I think it's, uh, yeah, for me, like, not all of it's going to work, but especially the stuff that's, like, emulating, um, like, hip-hop and, like, other, like, maybe more um, underground genres. And mm-hmm. they're trying to, but and even then, that's not so bad because then it's bringing some of the great underground sounds up to the, up to the, up to the mainstream, and, and people need to hear that music. Let people get protective of that stuff because they feel superior. But uh, whatever, I can ramble on that. Probably gonna cut that part out. Um, <laughs> so you heard it live, folks. Tune in next week for episode twelve three of Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a great week and stay safe. And remember that thing I just said five minutes ago because that's the message of the episode right there. Music is awesome, totally worth appreciating, but it's not necessarily worth shutting out an entire genre if you can help it. Not saying you can't have a preference. You should have a preference because that's your wheelhouse. It becomes your je ne sais quoi, the thing that you do, you listen to. But every once in a while, there's that outlier, that piece de resistance, where you just hear it and you go, I had no freaking idea that Sin Wagon from the Dixie Chicks could be entertaining if I've heard it in rock band. And that was specific. Because that's happened to me. Like I played a friend of mine, loved the Dixie Chicks. Sin Wagon was on the list for Rock Band. She wanted to play. I'm like, I don't want to play this crap. And then we played them like, Sin Wagon. And it was just amazing. Rhythm games can um, help you appreciate parts of music that you would have never listened to. I 100% agree with that. So much I learned about music came from music games. Those are my final words. Play more rhythm games. Yes. We can all support that. Yes.